Hello, everybody. Welcome to She Podcasts. This is the show about podcasting from the women's point of view. And my co-host, uh, Jessica Kupferman, is not here today, but I am so excited to have uh, the incredible one of my closest friends, Kate Stillman, come on the show today to walk in her shoes, I guess. <laughs> or, I don't know. Welcome, Kate. Thanks. To travel in my shoes. To travel. That's right. That is what we're doing today. So, okay, folks, in our last episode, episode 367, Kate, this is what we had a little bit of a discussion about conference season coming into the scene. And I started talking about it from the perspective of no spend, because what tends to happen is that as soon as the conferences come out, at least for me, I started to think about like, what am I going to wear? Because, you know, I don't really think about this on the daily since yeah. who I'm sorry, but I just don't. But when I'm out in the wild in these conferences and these hotel rooms and all of these things, I think like what am I gonna wear? And I end up buying things and then I wear them like that one time and they get stuck in the closet and who sees them other than somebody for ten seconds, maybe, possibly. So I decided I don't wanna. I don't wanna spend money on it, so no spend. So I put out a, a call out there to people to not spend any money going to these conferences to look at their own stuff that they already have and see what they can come up with. I'm sure nobody has seen it anyway because they haven't worn it. So that's where this conversation comes into play because I wanted to talk not about the no spend, but about optimizing your wellness, optimizing your life when you do have to go to these conferences. And this time through the perspective of food, travel, and immunity. I like the no spend. I mean, you like the no spend. I know. Yeah. Well, no, because like, I mean, I just wrote a book that's like, it's on all these habits and they're all free. So it's yeah. like real peak health is free. And that's, I think, really important to to get across. Yeah, right. And I think that, that mm-hmm. we always think that in order for us to to really get that extra something, something, we need to spend versus maybe invest because you can invest in what you've already, you already have. And upcycle. So we can talk about that as well, which you're kind of doing with your clothes, right? Yep. Where it's like, I'm sure if you go into your closet, you're like, oh, I could put this together with that. Yeah. Yep. And so much more of it really, I mean, people spend money when they don't feel good in their bodies. They, that's when we we're reaching for that Correct. quick hit, open, right? Like that, like, oh, if I just buy myself a new thing, I'll feel better about myself. But we all know that doesn't really, it's not really how it works. Nope. Nope. That's not how it works. And, and especially nowadays, cause we've been, we, we don't see it through the lens of other people a lot of the time, meaning we're at home, we're by ourselves. We don't really see anybody else around us. And then when we have to go around into these larger organiz- like conferences and events and things like that, we, we start to see ourselves through the lens of what other people might think about us. It's like a bigger mirror. And I feel that that can be a sense of being not confident, bringing up all your own crap that you've been you know, shoving in, into yourself and not really looking at. And it brings it to the light. So a little more challenging. And and you're right. Shopping is a way to deal with it. So when we have, like, we just had an event in Alta, Wyoming, 
uh, where we do multiple, when we do multiple day events at Yoga Healer, we, we do this, like what you and I are doing right now in a way, we literally put them through a training on how to show up at an event. Because what happened in the beginning, else was like freaking basket case drama scene, like all the things, like people would come in stressed out and exhausted. And I'm like, no, uh-uh. You come in good shape. You come well-rested. You come organized, focused, and ready to work with me. And that has made all the... And we turned it... We spoofed it out. So it's funny. It's cute. You know, it's a little kitschy and cute. But like people get the message. And what's amazing... I mean, we started doing that. Our videos for that, like our training for that is really pretty old. Like these people who did it don't even work for me anymore. It was like maybe five years ago. We still send the same training though. And so much of it, you guys, it's not like you need to buy a new dress. It's so not that. It's like really get focused on why you're coming how you want to be when you're there, what you want to feel like, what you do want to look like. So it's like inside out and then from that outside in. And what you're going to need to do the week before and maybe even, and it's so great that we're doing this now, like what you're going to need to do a couple weeks before so that like you really put your intentionality into the laser beam focus of like, I'm investing in myself. I'm going to she podcasts. And when I'm there, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to be emotionally available. I might not want to work on the side while I'm there. I might want to feel amazing. And so much of it happens before we get there. Because whatever mode or vibe we arrive in, like that, like there's a basic teaching in Ayurvedic medicine, which is my background, which is like increases like and opposites reduce each other. So if you come stressed out and you come bloated and constipated and just feeling like a little blah. Travel does nothing for that. Like travel aggravates that. Okay. So now I'm going to have to stop you here for a second, but you have to repeat that, you know, stop that little thing that you just said, like increases like, and the opposites reduce each other. Okay. And so I want you to, again, break that down even more because this might be some folks that are listening to this for the very, very first time. And I and I can tell you that that little tiny, th- those little words, if you just really think about the simplicity of them, that's how easy it is to get yourself back into a place where you can get a sense of balance or even recognize mm-hmm. when you are not in balance. And if you do want to get yourself into balance, what you need to do. So like increases like, explain to us what that would look like in, I don't know, in the most basic way. Sure. I mean, so one of my, one of my keys historically, and and we don't all have the same body type. One of the things that we do at Yoga Healers help people translate habits in for their body type. So one of the habits that works for really all body type is rhythmic eating or intermittent fasting, but the different body types do that differently. So if you have a more dense body type like I do versus a lighter body type like Elsie does, you can really optimize your feeding and fasting rhythm so that when you show up, you feel grounded and clear and vibrant, right? Because any body type can steer towards that. So say if we go back to like increases like, and say we're kind of chronically overeating and eating too frequently, which means, you know, more or less for most people right now, eating outside of a 16-hour feeding window if you're an adult. So like if you don't give your digestive tract eight uh, 16 hours of a break, sorry, in an eight-hour feed time, I said that wrong. So it's an eight-hour feeding window and a 16-hour fasting window. There's just not enough time for the body to just clean house, just daily rhythm, clean house. 
So for those with energy that's a lot more easily dispersed or distracted who tend to lightness towards excess lightness, eating at the same time every day is going to be great. And then to keep that regularity during the conference is going to be great. Just saying like, okay, maybe I eat between the windows of 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. and I'm going to be eating rhythmically and let my digestive tract rest for 16 hours and just be in deeper rhythm, see if that helps me sleep better, see if that helps my focus and be more productive, which intermittent fasting has been proven to do. Then when you're at the conference, it's like, you'll notice like, oh, I'm in rhythm. I like the feeling of lightness and emptiness. I like the feeling of being grounded and eating at the same time every day. And my digestion's ready for food at those same time every day. And so that grounded rhythm will increase the grounded rhythm. Whereas if you're kind of chaotic and you're like, oh, I'm just going to skip lunch and have a cup of coffee and then, oh, I'm eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night and then like tomorrow's kind of random, that randomness will also increase more randomness, which might mean you get bloated or constipated or just feel like you don't feel like yourself entirely. And then people with more density like myself, you can have an even longer fasting time, which isn't appealing to most people um, in the beginning because we eat emotionally so much of the time. But for someone with a more dense body type, like to be in a shorter eating window, so you might only have a six-hour feed time and an 18-hour fast time, but being like, okay, during the conference, I want to, you know, many people are going to eat later. You might be like, okay, I'm going to have my feeding time between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m., And the rest of the time I'm going to be in fasting, but like getting into that before can be super helpful. And that's kind of advanced, but it's honestly how peak performers behave. And that's why I wanted to bring it in because, you know, like a lot of the guy health podcasters are like peak performers. They're all doing intermittent fasting a lot of the time. And part of what I wanted to talk about too is the attainability of making little steps to be able to get yourself to that place. Because I know what gets me out of sorts is whenever I do attend a lot of these conferences and I know podcast movement is coming up for me much faster, right? Like at least for me in a couple of weeks. And when you, when I show up to these things, it completely takes my, my, all the patterns out of the equation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't get stuck in the beating myself up phase of failing. Right. Cause I can't do it. I mean, there are some times that I just cannot do the optimal. So what are like some key small things that you feel? Because I know you teach a lot about take that tiny little step, just that one little win, take that one little, like do it, you know, a C, C, get a, give yourself a grade of a C. Yeah. Yeah. We call it solid B, not in binance, like aim for a solid B. You know, but just even that. So like say, Say and say like a 16 eight's too hard, but a 14 10 is attainable where you have like a 10 hour feeding time. It really deeply helps you sleep and helps the body process a lot of the information that's coming in through the mind. So for a lot of people, it's just not, it's just like snacking less or just having a window of time where you're not putting calories in, you're not having a latte, you can still have black coffee, but things like that, just like getting your eating rhythm down can be super helpful. So what that might look like is like, you know, cause a lot of people eat later at these conferences and go out later. So it's like just breaking your fast at 10 AM and being done eating by 8 PM and having that like 10 hour feed time. That can be really a good beginner step in this journey. I like that. I like that a lot. Now here's the other thing. 
there's the whole in-between time, right? Because if we are doing really well at our home and we've already set our habits and we've decided, you know, you've committed to this type of a framework or for yourself that you're doing the very best that you can. And like if you could immediately be transferred into the venue, it would be amazing. But that doesn't really happen because there's an in-between time where you're literally either up in the air in the sky or you're in a moving ton of metal going through time and space fast <laughs> and then you arrive so what do you what do you do in that in between time like what are some best things to do it to stay grounded to stay calm in that in between time i really like walking which might mean that you're like taking a walk at the airport or as soon as you get to the venue, you're taking a walk or the next morning you wake up and even a five or 10 minute walk will change your day. So rather than just like waking up and taking a shower and making yourself beautiful and then like getting a cup of coffee and sitting down and talking with people, that's really hard on your energy body. So instead just like waking up and putting on your, your sneakers or whatever, I wear chocos a lot and just going for a 10 minute walk. And not listening to something, mm. like just walking, feeling the rhythm of the earth, getting into your own intentionality of like, what do I want to do today? Who do I want to connect with today? Or what do I want to be receptive today? So instead of being like really trying to connect with all the right people, just being much more available so that like the right people naturally just come and connect with you. That's a really easy thing to do. Uh, but that walking, it's kind of like a meditative walking. And then you know, throughout the day, because there's a lot of sitting and standing that happens at these events. And if you're more of a sitter, then like, just notice like, oh, maybe I'll stand in the back of the room a little bit. If I feel like my energy's getting a little stagnant or I'm getting tired, because like to just sit and then drink more coffee is not good. You're going to get dehydrated and then you're going to yeah. get ungrounded and it just, it'll just kind of throw you off, throws off your adrenal glands. <laughs> But instead just being like, oh, can I just take a little, can I take a little walk around and, and notice my body and how I feel and what I'm drawn to doing next and who I'm drawn to next and who's drawn to me and being in that receptive state. I notice these things make a huge, huge difference. I'm a huge fan of all of those things. Now, let me tell you a little something that's happening with me here soon. And I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss, Kate Stillman. I don't know what to do. So we're driving to podcast movement with my family. So I'm trying to figure out what in the heck to feed my children. The end, period. That's it. I don't know. To like on the, road trip, on the road trip? To get to the like on the road trip. Like on the road. Like I don't even know what to give them. Because usually, because I'm super extra when it comes to whenever I give them food to take to school and things like that. Like I, I will literally like make them actual food. So they'll have warm food in their little thermos when they get to the thing. And so they can have, like, I, I have the choice of being able to give them like a sandwich if I so choose on a day. But then they, I also make them like all kinds of soups and things that they can have that are really yummy for them and grounding and, and, and warm. And so they feel good whenever they're like outside of the house and all that kind of stuff. But I can't do that on the road. I can't make them the things that they, I make them in, on the daily in the mornings. I don't quite know what to give them. I'm at a, I don't know. I mean, first of all, are you going to be more eating out or are you going to go be going more like picnic style? We are probably going to probably picnic 
I don't think we're going to eat out. We're not going to be going in and we're not going to go eat out. We'll probably hit a grocery store at the end of the day or something, but we won't be going into restaurants or anything. Yeah. So, and it's summertime, right? Yeah, it's hot. And it's hot. Okay, so like when it's hot, you know, it's like just knowing, first of all, that it's interesting. In Ayurveda, there's this principle that like the strength of your Agni really in many ways is what is going to trump digestion. So often when people are on road trips, like all the rules are broken because we're in the liminal space. So there can be like a lot of snacking and this and that. And that can actually really throw off kids' digestion and elimination. And so instead of just having like, again, like sticking with like the real meal times, you'll, able, you'll be able to digest a lot more easily just in general, no matter what you're eating. Very interesting. And then hydrating between meals. But if they're already snacking, then like you said, it's like, well, how do you kind of navigate that? You can start to be like, hey, we're going to try this and like not snack, but have like really, you know, really fun picnics. And then personally, what I would do is I, I noticed, you know, and I really learned this more in growing my business at Yoga Healer, which is like co-participation in the team is really important to the outcome. So I, what I do with India is like, we'll just open, we'll take like 15 minutes, we'll open Pinterest, we'll type in like summer road trip picnic meals, mm. right? And then what's cool about a Pinterest is you can create a pin board. And then my motto is like, how easy can it be? So it's like, we're not doing this to have gourmet picnics. Right. <laughs> right. Like, let's get clearly clear about this. Uh, and then just looking for some of like the easy things, like, you know, and it depends what your family eats. Like some families are more vegetarian or vegan. Some do a lot of fish. Some do a lot of meat. So one of the things that we do, we have picnics, we have like picnic style meals quite frequently, even at home. And the way that we do it is more of like the, the European like charcuterie boards where we'll have some, we'll have some fresh greens, we'll have some sauerkraut, we'll have some olives, we'll have some sliced meats or some uh, smoked fishes. We'll have you know, just stuff that's easy to easy to just kind of pull out of the fridge, like pickled vegetables or fresh veggies, like carrots and hummus. And what we notice is like you have those things and then say you have like some, you know, depending on what your family does. I know a lot of people are gluten-free and a lot of people are pro whole grains. And so there's this huge spectrum, but say you do like that with like some tortillas of whatever variety or chapatis or naan or some flatbreads that are like high quality easy variety. So if someone wants to like wrap up the, you know, salami and cheese and sauerkraut into a wrap, then you've got a wrap. And honestly, like what we do, and we often do this camping is like, we just pack this stuff and you just kind of make like a different kind of thing each time. So we might have a, like a little jar of pesto or a little jar of spicy mayo. We may have some feta cheese. We may like make it interesting so people can like choose different things. But what we often find is that like eating the same thing is great. It's mm. actually a lot easier on digestion. So you don't, you know, so while you have like a little bit of variety, the concept's the same. It's like, we're just going to open the cooler. We're going to use our reusable plates. We're going to open all the things and we'll have enough like fresh, fresh veggie stuff with all the things that are already, that are already prepared and really easy to just put into the wrap or eat as a salad. Some kids love avocado. If you can have some ripe avocados in there, you know they're getting some really good fats. And then just making it fun. So that's kind of how I would do it. 
I kind of dig that idea. I think I'm going to try to add that. I've been, we've been doing the kind, that kind of thing at home as well for some small like meals when I don't have a chance to like make anything or like to make food for everybody at once. And I'm in, in the middle of a call. I'm like, you go make yourself stuff. They usually go, I'll make myself a snack plate is what they call it. And then they'll do that for themselves and they'll split up a plate with all these little tiny bits of food. And then sometimes I'm always surprised by the kinds of mixtures that they put together with things that I wouldn't have thought, but you know what? They were able to do it on their own. Well, and that's really the point, right? Like we're raising children to feed themselves. Well, we're not raising children so that we can be a chef. And I think that is really key that they know. And by the time, I mean, kids like your age, my age kids, it's like, they're starting to put a few things together, especially as they start to go through puberty of like, what affects my skin? What affects how I feel? What affects how I look? And it's like, yeah, that's, that's to me, what we were trying to do is like, get them in the driver's seat of, you know, and there's this like, quote unquote, making healthy choices. But I would say it's, it's more than that to me. It's like design your food body, design your physical body with food. Yeah. They'll really enjoy to be able to do that. That's a great idea. I'm going to have to try out that whole Pinterest board thing just because, just because. Well, and it's getting easier, right? Like you can buy these bags of cooked beans, like lupini beans or garbanzo beans. Like it's actually, it's never been, you guys, it's never been easier. The market is catering, catering to To us. Absolutely. It's like right now they're really into like the little, they have this, I don't know if you've seen this little mush that I'm letting them have. And like, especially now, like they're doing this camp where I'm like, you guys can have your mush in the morning. It's this little like, like those little oats overnight oats but they're made with like coconut something or it's pre-packaged you know but the brand is like mush and so it's it's pretty great it's this little tiny container it's got all kinds of yummy things that fills their belly and I don't have to do anything they just take they eat their mush (laughs) I mean and this is you know to me this is like one of the big concepts with uh you know where we get like you know sort of like the mix of like eastern medicine and western habits is allowing kids to rest their digestive tract. Like, just like we're talking in the beginning with adults, it's like those of you who have picky eaters, it's like a lot of it is you're creating that if you're letting your kids snack. So when you make exciting meals that are exciting to them, right? Super easy to prepare, exciting to them. And then having like, okay, this is going to be our schedule. This is where we're going to stop and have our picnics. Right. And then like, we're not going to eat in between meals. Like we're not just going to like eat all the time. Then you're actually really giving them a fighting chance to manage their emotions. Because the last thing we want, we were just, we were, Indy and I were just at an event this past weekend and there were some kids, some, some like toddlers and little kids who were having a really hard time managing their emotions. And in snack culture, we're not doing these kids any favors by basically disrupting their digestive system, which is making them feel uncomfortable. So then they're much more easily triggered in their emotional body. This is really intriguing. It's interesting how like I I start to think about it from the perspective of sometimes in order to calm one of my kids, one of my, and I've caught myself thinking about this. I just had this happen that one of my kids was having a hard time. She just couldn't figure something out. I don't remember what it was. And I remember I hate seeing her that way because she's usually not like that. So she was very upset. I started to think, what is it that I can do to help her feel better and then my instinct for myself was like, I love chocolate. And there was a point where I was just like, I just want to give her some of chocolate chips. And like, I don't have any of that stuff in the house, like at all, because 
because of me, because I can't stop myself because of them. And so I was just like, I wish I could give. And so like I immediately equated satiating her emotion through me wanting to give her a treat. Mm-hmm. And I just in that mo- that I I had that whole thing where I was like I can't believe that I'm trying to solve her emotional problem by me wanting to give her a, ch- a piece of chocolate like you know what I mean I was like just my like, own pathology I'm just gonna but that's what parents do so like it's a really I mean and that just goes back to like taking the ten minute walk right or lying on the grass for a few minutes and just feeling and breathing and being like these I know it sounds so corny but like it's so. It's so true. And then one of the things that my daughter and I would often do, and like, and, and this doesn't really happen much anymore, but just like, how did this happen? So what we do is we kind of go back and look at cause and effect. So she's the one who puts together like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much sugar I've had in the last 24 hours. And she's 14 and a half, but she's been figuring that stuff out since she was about nine. You know, like she'll go visit grandma down a mile down the road and they'll make chocolate chip pancakes. And then later that day, they'll go out for ice cream. And my mom's just clueless. Amazing. Even though, you know, it's not like I haven't brought it up. Uh, but I also haven't made it a point of contention because I want her to design her own food body. I want her to make her own decisions to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's not do chocolate chip pancakes. Like, let's have protein, <laughs> you know, like let's have eggs and toast or let's have, you know, whatever, something that's, she knows is going to make her feel good later that day. And then if she wants to go out to ice cream later, it's like not as big a deal because she's ready for it. Yeah, no, that's like, it's so smart to be able to empower them that way. Right. And, and also to check myself. So that was, that was really good for those of you who are listening. Kate and I have a little bit of a history. We met each other decades ago, which is crazy Kate Stillman before we had these children before we had these children oh my god so we used to practice oh, wait, well, yoga just say, like okay Elsie you guys think Elsie's cute now like she was like <laughs> I mean she's gorgeous now but she was like so hot and so cute and I just wanted to put my yoga mat next to her and she was like Super buff and fit, like sort of like fitnessy LA yoga teacher, and just her joy and spark. Like we both were so, so into it and so exuberant, and it was just so fun to for both of us to meet someone that was really kind of different and intellectually intriguing, and yeah. we had such different paths, but we had that same level of like very high vibe and like yeah, very into deep truth and very into what's my positive impact, and we just synergized. It was so fun. Those were the memories, man. It's so many wonderful, good feelings about that time. And and given that, though, Kate, it's like I remember just little tiny things of bumping into you after I wasn't in L.A. doing like the whole yoga conferencing thing and all of that stuff anymore and bumping across your content over at Yoga Healer. So you all need to go check that out over at yogahealer.com. And you've been on this path of online education for ever. I mean, you were seriously pioneering this kind of content way back when. 2001, else. Yeah. Like content creator list building in 2001. And you were doing it. I remember, I think it was like you started off with the teachings in, remember those conference calls? Like the ones that was yeah. that one number, H-D. right? HE, like high definition conscience call.com. Yeah. <laughs> but you were doing it. And I was just like, 
this is amazing. So you started doing it that way. And then, I mean, but, but mind you, you were doing like writing blogs and, and I, and you were doing mini courses. Making tip sheets. Like our tip sheets are, we've been making tip sheets for over 20 years. Wow. That's the pink spoon. You guys, that's what it's called now or the opt-in. We weren't using those words then. No, you weren't using those words. But see, here's the other thing too, which is really admirable for, in terms of everything that you've done too. You were doing this for an industry that was essentially tech phobic. And still is. And still is. The healers and the witches and the gurus and the guys are, like I heard it yesterday, like, I don't like technology, (laughs) but I want to grow my practice. It's like... Okay. Yeah. But given all of that stuff, and so I was really into that stuff from the beginning. Like I remember in one of our teacher trainings, there was like all this talk about community. Uh, There was always community happening, right? We all needed to always be having community. So I was like, can we just have a blog, like a community blog? Mm -hmm. And they all looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, you know, like all of us together in L.A., we can have a blog. Like I had a this blog. idea of like all of us writing for this one blog and then it would just be a collective voice of all yeah. of us here. And they were still like deer in headlights. And I was like, you know what? I still, I, okay, I'll do it. And so I did. I actually did start the blog and started inviting folks, but it was too much of a thing to fight against, right? It's like, yeah. oh, fuck. But and so I started doing the whole podcasting thing early. Mm. Just because I loved it, again, the tech to me was really empowering and I started to do the whole podcasting thing, but then you started to do the podcasting thing as well, but you did it differently because I was creating content for a podcast, whereas you, I started off repurposing your existing content for the podcast, correct? Well, it wasn't even that like strategic. It was like, I, okay, so I started <laughs> I the online. Wait, hold on, on one second. Hold on. Let me, let me just clarify. Correct. Do you have to really, yes, the, the strategy that Kate had about her audio and her podcast was like this. It was zero people. It was nothing. Zero. It was zero, zero strategy around it. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, it was, this is what was so funny. Cause like I grew up with a, uh, my dad grew up in the IT industries in his eighties now. So he was like working on mainframe IBMs. And by the time I was in high school, he was going over to Asia to help you know, basically software, hardware development companies turn themselves around. So we always had computers. I wasn't afraid of technology. I wasn't really drawn to it. I didn't really get it, but there was that in the household and I was drawn, it's definitely drawn to business. But what happened this is, you guys, it was so funny. So it's like 2007, I kick off the Living Ayurveda course, which is a heal course. It's a heal, it's a journey to heal. We still run it today. Uh, I know it's really hip to like do new things. And we're very innovative, but what we do is like we innovate based on what's working in the past. So I would invite these gurus, like literally like the, like these amazing Ayurvedic gurus, you know, a lot of them were Indian. A lot of them um, had studied really hardcore in India and these people were just like not exposed. And so when I formed my Living Ayurveda course, I was like, I know I'll have a guest teacher every month. And these were amazing guest teachers. You know, they just wanted to talk to other people who are super hardcore into Ayurveda. There was no exchange. It was just like, come talk to my people. We're going to ask you a ton of questions. And I would host them interview style. I had no, I had, I didn't have any experience interviewing people, but it was something that like, I just 
like Elsie have like a very, very deep path towards truth. So I'm just like giving them the hardest questions that I'm facing and that, and that we're coming up against as a community. And I would do these interviews. And as soon as we get off the interview, you know, and I've got all my members there, I think there's 20 people in the original class in 2007. They're like, I need to send this to my sister. I need to send this to my mother. I need to send this to my best friend. I need to send this to my yoga teacher. Like all these people need to hear is like, how do we get access to this? And these were people who paid for the course. And instead of wanting to be like elite and protected in the course content, all they wanted to do was help the other people in their life get access. And there weren't really Ayurvedic podcasts at the time. So we started, you guys, this is where it gets really funny. And thank gosh for people like Elsie is like, I was just putting them in our blog. I was putting the audio files in our blog. And at some point Elsie's like, um, audio files go on a podcast and then you can put it in iTunes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. But yeah. Oh my God. So many files. And I remember Kate's like, here's all of them. And it was like 50,000. <laughs> oh my God, Kate. And they were keep coming and they keep coming. It's like they never ended. Coming. Just like thousand. No, seriously, though, you had so much content already recorded. And that's where it was so funny because listening to them, I was like, oh, my God. It's like it was the sound of the, you know, it was the sound of a phone call. But the content was so good. And people were eating it up. There was like zero thought. So another thing, folks that are listening here. You know, there's value to that content. I mean, I went through that same experience right now. This is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I was just um, a judge for the Ad Week Podcast Awards, okay? And part of me being a judge for this was that I got access to this like little portal and they gave me all of the podcasts to listen to. And I kid you not, 90% of them I'd never heard of. So I had to listen to them and I had never heard these shows. So I started listening and I was like, first of all, blown away by the lack of wonderful audio production on a lot of these, meaning some of them were not very well produced. Mm. Second of all, the ones that were really well produced didn't suck me in. So interestingly enough, the ones that weren't so well produced were the ones I ended up really digging because the conversation in them was so cool. It was like, I got really sucked in just the conversations that were being had in these shows, even though there wasn't that much editing and maybe there wasn't as much audio production around it. And then there were some of them that were really produced, like music and narration and all the things that you would do. And they lost me because it was so curated that I didn't do anything other than show off how wonderful they are at editing a podcast. <laughs> I was like, that was a great transition. Yeah, they've got good editors I over know, there I on know. the so-and-so show. That's, but yeah, but I had no idea what the, what it was about. But anyway, all that to say that sometimes you just have to put content out there. Yeah. I just want to really build on this is it's like, and I think Elsie, you and I probably more than like most people in this industry we kind of keep coming back to the question of like, why, like why podcast? Like from a really deep level, like why do I podcast? And and for me, it's very particular to like, for those of you who've been podcasting for over a decade, is why am I podcasting now? Mm-hmm. Right. And so my, like when, when I've worked with people that do like podcast strategy and stuff, it's like, 
okay, you've got to understand like my reasons for podcasting aren't, aren't the same. So like my reasons for podcasting right now, like right now, fast forward since 2007 to whatever year it is, it's 15 years later, I guess. It's like, okay, I use my podcast to get to truth. So I'm interviewing, like right now I just wrote a book called Uninflamed. It's not out yet. Um, it's really about like beating chronic inflammation, reversing chronic inflammation. It's on the 21 primal habits or these habits that are free, that are prime. They're like prime numbers or prime to before the human species started degenerating in terms of health, the habits that are cross-cultural, they're cross time. So why am I podcasting now? It's not so it sounds great. It's not to make me look cool. It's because like I need to ask scientists questions mm. and they will answer those questions if I produce a show. Yeah. Then I have a piece of content. Then someone asks me the question and someone on my team sends them a link. So I don't have to answer the question. The show answers the question. Yes. It is unbelievably helpful to get that kind of clarity for most of these folks, right? Because you get a lot of folks that are coming into the, to start the whole podcasting thing from the perspective of they want to make some money. I mean, it does take time to do a lot of this stuff, right? It does take time and attention to be able to get appropriate audio or get appropriate team working for you to get the shows out because it's not easy. There's too, a lot of little bits, right, in order for you to get the stuff out. It just takes Pain time. In the it ass. takes time. It's, it's an investment. Yeah, yeah. it's a t all the way around. So I get that. Yeah. I completely understand all of that stuff. But I think that when you look at it from the way that Kate just laid it out, she said she wants to do it to get to truth, right? That's like one of the number one things. And then that entails being able to support your body of work, which you've been putting together forever, because this is now your third book. Am I right on that? Fourth, Yeah. It's like my third major, but we, we slipped a little one in there too. Yeah. A little baby book. Anyway, but meaning, meaningful words. that you're writing this stuff down that is thoroughly researched, that has lots of different sources, adding to that your point of view, which is what makes a lot of these books incredibly riveting because they're wrapped into the way that you present the information, right? Plus... Mm -hmm with new information coming through all of that stuff takes time, but you're doing, you're using the podcast in order to distill that for yourself. And you are providing that opportunity of being able to talk to those scientists that you're talking about. And you're absolutely right. Like there's been so many people that I'd love to like have a conversation with. And when you have a show, you're able to immediately have that conversation. Oh my God, I'm missing this piece, right? Let's just use this as a, as an example. I need to find what to eat for my children on the road. Yeah. I don't know who to ask. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I'm just going to ask her, but I'm going to ask her to be on the show. You know what I mean? Because then it just, mm -hmm. it has so many different other solutions to the problem here. And it's not just a solution for me personally, which obviously that is incredibly helpful, but it could also be an introduction of this type of conversation to the She Podcast audience who may or may not have ever heard anything like this before. And it might either be like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. Oh, thank you, Kate, for reminding me. Or it could be a, What? What are they talking about? And it might be right. something. What? You're not going to feed your kids fast food on the yes. highway? Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, but, but I mean, all I'm saying is like, maybe it's like a new bit of information and it could be like, kind of like, I've never heard that before. What is that? But at least 
it's now moving forward, right? It's a, it's a new bit of information. So it's got all of these other ways to be able to, to figure something out for yourself. So yes, so that yeah. is being able to have a podcast that solves the problem that you are looking to solve, not yeah. what the podcasting industry needs to be. I think that sometimes we get so caught up with trying to serve all of it, especially when you have communities like this one. Uh, that really requires a lot of nurturing. Just to highlight you guys, like there's a lot of different reasons to podcast and I continually question it. I mean, I, que I question every business expense. We look at our operation costs a lot at Yoga Healer in terms of like, how are we impacting? What are operation costs? What's the profit margin? Like we don't ignore numbers at all in my business. And so like the podcast, like we really look at like, is it worth having this much energy resources? We have two shows right now. We have Wellness Pro Academy and, and Yoga Healer. So we're looking at that and we produce week, more or less we produce weekly. And what we've come up with is there's like a lot of different reasons we have the show. So the truth and the scientist is a big reason. And another reason is like, I hate to repeat myself. So I want an audio archive to answer questions. So sometimes we'll just go from like one of our, our coaching and in the way our revenue model, you guys is like, it's a club model, uh, but it's a course club model. So when you're part of the club, like you're accessing a very specific course curriculum and community that's driven towards a specific result. So whether that's to heal, whether that's like life strategy or business strategy, like there's specific courses that, that do that. Say we have a coaching session. Say I'm talking to someone who's like lost, like this is not uncommon, diabetic, overweight, lost 30 pounds, doesn't need the medications anymore, has community because of the course, like is changing their family, like just changing everything, right? And it's good. It's like so relatable where it's like, she had no hope. She was going down, you know, all this grief and parents dying. And then there's like, you know, the, and these stories are so rich. And it's like, she actually wants to share that with people like her that don't know that they can feel better because she was isolated and alone and anxious and depressed and spending too much money. You know, it's like, so it's like, Hey, can we put this clip in the show? It'll come up in a coaching session, but Hey, can we put this clip in the show? And if they say no, it's like, okay, yeah, no problem. If they say, yes, we'll build a show around it. So then when I'm talking to people that are coming into our courses and they're heavily invested, like our courses are in the five to 15 K range. So we're not inexpensive. We're like on the boutique side, but we're results driven and our courses pay back a lot over time. The return on investment is very large from the people that take our courses and we have the stories and the numbers to prove it. So what, to me, what's interesting about it all is it's like new member comes in. Hey, do you listen to the podcast? Because, you know, those, it's somewhat hard to find that data. I think a lot of us have figured this out by now. It's like somewhat hard to find and to track even with all the, even with all the tracking tools and yada, yada. And so you just, I just ask. I'm in a group of people that are recording. How many of you listen to the show? At some point, listen to the show. And it's always over 50% of the hands go up. And this year, our business will probably be somewhere between 1.8 and 2.1 million in revenue. So to me, it's like, that's really important to know that people listen in. But what I know is that if I do it like the trendy, highly edited shows and yada, yada, like do what's hip and podcasting right now, that doesn't matter at all. Like they're listening in because they're just really curious. Like, what is Kate interested in? <laughs> like, what is she, who's she talking to now? Or which course member's talking? Or I might just monologue. And it's, you guys, it's kind of a junky show in a lot of ways because there's not this like... <laughs> John Lee Doom is like standardized, like 30 second intro followed by the top right. three questions in the first 10. It's like, we're just going to do whatever's interesting to us. And that's that. 
I love all of that. Only and, and here's the other thing too is just the fact that your revenue or the money making aspect of podcast, right? The podcast as a it would it's as lead generation as a marketing wing as a marketing spend essentially to be able to bring all of this stuff to you, right? But your actual core money isn't being made directly from podcasting. And I'm just going to, I'm going to put a period on that there because you were also talking about the fact that you're looking at the operations, right? And whether or not the investment into the production of the show is reflective of, of the money that you're making, right? So if I were to say, if like a percentage, depending on looking at your, at your money, the percentage was vastly towards the podcast, that there was something happening uh, in the realm of like, you are able to then monetize, like, let's say, oh, this is a great transition. I'm so smart. You know how Dave Aspie, I think I put that in our show notes. Dave Aspie is now making, you know, or like he's been charging 50,000. Okay. So if you were having a guest coming on and you were getting paid 50K for the show, would you consider that your production value might maybe get a little more investment possibly in the fact that like putting just a little bit more allocation of funds? No, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I read that article. It's such a good article. Thank you so much. And I, I might, I'm having my team read it because like, I'm not the end all be all at my company. Right. Like we discuss things. Yeah, totally. I don't know. It's like you guys, like how many freaking emails do you get a week? Can I be on your show? I've got this great podcast guest. Oh, it's and I'm crazy. like, if I don't know of you, if I'm not interested in you, like if you're coming after me, it's almost an automatic no. Like I, it's like a 99.99% where I'm just going to send you a cut and paste email that's like, <laughs> no. S T O P. S T O P. We'll let you know if we're interested in your people, you know, like you'll hear from us because. I'm interviewing scientists. I'm interviewing my members. Like I'm, I'm giving a monologue to my course members that I know I'm going to multi-purpose as a show. Why? You know, okay. This yesterday I'm in, I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. I had my 27th Carlton reunion that was delayed. My 25th, it was delayed for a few years. Indy drags me there. My 14 year old is like, you're going to this reunion. We're going. I'm like, what? Okay. I mean, after she wore, you know, they can wear you down after like the 10th time. So I'm like, okay, this must be really freaking important for her to go to my 27th college reunion. So we went. And so I threw a pop-up event in St. Paul for the members. I walk in the door. This woman looks at me and she's starstruck. I mean, and you guys, I don't say this to beat my own (laughs) drum at all. She's like, you changed my life. Now I hear this, you guys, probably at least, at least a couple times a month, maybe once a week. Right. You changed your life. I was like, how? The first thing I always say is like, how? Like, what happened? I started listening to your show. I started doing the habits. I read your book. I lost 50 pounds. I have kids. So that 50 pounds was like weighing me down. I have an office job. I work for a good company. I now have confidence. I'm talking to my boss. I'm doing all the things that you do in your other book, not your habits book, Body Thrive, but your your life strategy book, Master of You. And it keeps changing my, like whatever you're talking about on the show keeps changing my life for the better. So I listen on my way to work. So to me, it's like, that's why I might take a chunk that only my course members would get and be like, I'm going to put it on the show because I care about Lynn Yeah, in St. Paul. 
has Lynn spent any money with me? I don't know. Maybe a couple hundred bucks. I don't know. Will she eventually? Maybe. But there's like, say there's 50 Lynn's, five of them are going to spend 10, 15 K with me and really get the sort of like the hands-on in the club experience. It makes sense from a business model perspective. But for me, I mean, I just devoted my life to helping people a really long time ago. So it just makes sense from a like, be a good human being perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. It absolutely helps. Like, I'm curious how you would handle, Kate, if you were to use that model of pay to play. I'm just curious. No. Okay. I've built wealth and diversified. Yeah. yeah, So I don't need so. I don't need to sell my soul. And I never sold my soul. I mean, you know what it was like, Elsie, when no, we I were know. in hardcore yoga and Ayurveda programs. And like, I could have been an investment banker really early on. And I hang out with quite a few of my friends are venture capitalists and they've done insanely well. But like, when I get to the bottom of it, I'm like, what was your life? So your life was about like making a lot of money so that you could have private school education for your children and live by the beach and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just so self-serving to me, like yeah. in, in so many ways. And I traded in on that really early on life where I'm like, no, my life's for something else. So to me, it kind of like, I don't know why Dave Asprey's doing it. That guy, he already had a sellout of- I don't know either. He sold out Bulletproof. It was a valued around $100 million. So I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I don't know why. I, don't, I also don't know either. And I just don't- I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Okay. But as a business model for someone who's trying to have a J-O-B, let's go there. You want to do it self-employed. You want to innovate in the market. You're just kind of curious about it. Yeah. It's a cool business model. Yeah, sure. And mind you, you, but you do have to test it out. I mean, the whole point is I think that the math that I saw in that, in that interview though, was there was like a little bit of math in there that was like, it's essentially a hundred to $150 CPM. For those of you who are, don't know what a CPM is, it's like cost per thousand essentially. So for every thousand downloads that you get, the value in quote that they were putting on for a guest paying you to be on your show it would be 100 to $150 for every thousand downloads that you get. So if you're looking at your numbers and you're making X amount, whatever, of downloads per episode per month, that gives you an ability to be able to put some, I don't know, an estimate of, of sorts. So, I mean, let's talk, let's talk about that for a minute because it's essentially just a paid advertising model. It's just a different flavor of it, right? So when we look at it, if you're doing a podcast and you're doing it because you're thinking like the paid advertising is going to pay your bills, like I just have a, I've worked with women entrepreneurs. Like a lot of the way that I've built my wealth is helping female healers build their wealth, really, and their skills, results based skills. Like that's probably been the majority of it. And I've helped a lot of people really get their health on track. That's been a, you know, that's maybe like two thirds, one third split, right? Now, the, to me, the podcast business model, if I'm going to advertise someone else's stuff, I'm not promoting my own. I'm not, You're right. I'm, I'm interrupting their attention. I'm redirecting them to another person who's going to sell to them because that's why people advertise. And I've got to ask myself is like, is that what I want to do with my listeners? And I've always come down to no. Mm. Now, would I buy advertising on other people's show? Yeah. I would, except for it's not, to me, it's not as lean and easy as metrics as like YouTube or, or Facebook or IG um, because we collect email addresses. Like we're, we're really good at opt-ins and doing that from podcasts is a little bit harder because people aren't scrolling, they're listening. Right. So for me, that's always been a barrier to, for me buying, putting my advertising budget, which isn't that much, it's maybe like five to seven K a month mm-hmm. and putting some of that into podcasts 
which I would do if we could get any real data on like the cost per often and all that, you know, it's like we could really, really make that work as good as the other ways are working. Yeah. I just think everyone who's like, I have something interesting and I want to coach people or consult with people or build something or have a, or really be self-employed. You have to build a product or a service. And then you'd use your show as no like, and trust. I mean, do I use it for lead generation? Yes, but not really. What we use it for is no like and trust. So we so if someone's already on our list, then we start sending them, hey, did you see this? Hey, you're interested in, in intermittent fasting? Have you listened to this episode? Because we know that the podcast is going to build no like and trust faster than really anything else. Better than email campaigns. Did you hear that, people? We're going to have to quote you on that. Now, I'm going to have to wrap it up here because I'm at 15, 14% on my laptop and we don't want to lose this recording. Do we, Kate? No, we no, don't. No, we're going to tie a bow on this one. No, we're going to tie a bow. So why don't you share, Kate Stillman, where people can connect with you? And there will be a link in the show notes. Everything she mentions, I'll link through today so that we can have that. So go. Can I share one more travel tip? Yeah, please go. And this is not politically correct or scientifically correct, according to what Google thinks science is. Okay. Uh, But people have been doing this for a really long time. So a lot of people really run into trouble traveling because of constipation. And I want to, I just want to say this out loud because it's a really big issue and it's really, really, it's really super easy to fix. And all you need, and it's available at any pharmacy or uh, grocery store, is a little enema kit. And they cost like two bucks and you, you just squirt saline solution up your butthole and then it, it releases the exit valve and then you can digest and absorb and eliminate again. You'll sleep better and all that. Now, for those who want to go all pro, how the pros do it is they empty out the saline, they pee in a cup and they put their pee up their butthole because it's actually, so it's full of all of your hormones like serotonin oh my and gosh endorphins and vitamins and minerals. And it's already been in your blood plasma, which is why it's called ultra plasma filtrate. So you just squirt that up your butthole and you can keep reusing the same enema bottle literally for like six <gasps> oh my God. months. So even though we said we weren't going to try to get you to buy anything, we're talking about a $1.99 investment oh, for anyone who okay, wants to know true. about that stuff. You can go to yogahealer.com forward slash P dash book. Oh my gosh. Um, those who want more about intermittent fasting, yogahealer.com forward slash IF, which stands for intermittent fasting, IF dash tip sheet. And that's our intermittent fasting tip sheet for your body type. Love that. Oh my God. I know you all were not ready for that P tip. Not ready. Uh, not ready no at one, all. Like No one's really ready for truth, Elsie. That's the problem. If anybody takes that little bit, like no one in there ever would have thought that they would hear to just squirt the pee back up your butthole ever. Like that was just not something that was going to be ever thought that we were going to get. Very first <laughs> PhD research paper is being done on this. And the and the study is phenomenal. Oh my God. Cleans up the blood, decongests the liver. It just eats chronic inflammation straight out of the bloodstream. Well, there you have it, people. This is a wonderful way to wrap up our episode. Kate Stillman, thank you so much for coming in and stepping in for Jess. And I can't wait to see you. Oh, by the way, you're speaking. Are you not speaking? We love you, Kufferman. Yes, Kufferman. Yes. We'll have a link in the show notes for all this stuff. Thank you, Kate. And um, we will chat with you guys next week. Bye. Love it. Bye.